morgon. It is Friday. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. What's well, you, Katie? If I just bust your eardrum. Dude, I'm have to take one ear of my headphones off. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to induce a nausea because you are like still eating your breakfast. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's all right. It's Good all right. Good morning. Welcome to the breakfast show. You are listening to 87.6, 87.8, 88 FM. Right across Australia, Australia right, right across, across the Faith, Faith FM, FM network. network. <laughs> we miss Lyle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, actually, I got you. It's all right. Uh, this is Lawson Cute. and Mon, of course. Lawson filling in for the lovely Lyle, who's mm. off on his annual leave. Yeah. Tracking through. I'm so excited. You know, he's, he's in the desert now, Yeah, he's right? in the desert. Because yesterday we talked to him and he was on the jump off point to get into the Simpson uh-huh. Desert. So they were going to leave about two o'clock yesterday. Mm-hmm. So he is going to be all up to his elbows in red dirt. Yeah. I'm super jealous. That's awesome. I really want to have like sand dune photo shoots. Oh. Well, have you ever seen have the band? Ever, have you ever been to Stockton Beach? Yeah. But it's not like. Sand dunes? No, it's not like as far as the eye can see kind of sand dunes. It's okay. like, oh, look, there's the ocean. Oh, look, there's the highway on the other side. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. it's, it's, it's as desert as I've ever gotten. Nah. Um, well, yeah. I've, yeah. I've been to I've been across Nullarbor several times, but I've never seen like sand dune kind of stuff. Ah, uh, okay. It is a landscape unfamiliar to me. A's. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> what are you grateful for this morning, Lawson? Ooh, what am I grateful for? Oh, you know what I'm super grateful for. What's that? Just like hanging out with mates, um, but also like being supported by by the churches to do what I do. Yes. Which is just amazing. Um, and one of the ways in which I receive that support is uh, a Thursday night. Food pantry that runs in oh, in, in yeah. Hamilton. I gotta make it to this thing because I keep hearing about how awesome it is, dude. It's awesome. You go there, you get a free feed, and then you get like you know ten bucks for like you pay ten bucks for like a hundred bucks worth of groceries. Does everyone it's go? It's incredible. To this? Well, a great deal of people. I think okay. especially like in my friend circle of like all us Bible workers go. There's like a bunch of people from the community who go. There's probably well last night they served like sixty five people. That's not bad. So it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that my housemates go, and I've been like, mm, maybe I should go. Anyway, we had a movie night in my house last night, and we had a great time. You watch Night in the Museum. That's not a great time. That anyway. is a great time. It was the third installment of the trilogy, and it was good to know what happens to the London Museum when it wakes up. But yeah, we have a great show studying for you shortly.
Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. This is Lawson and Mon guiding you into a fabulous weekend. Lawson, it is time for our breakfast bubble yeah. quiz. Yeah. Are you sure you're uh-huh. ready for this? Yep. Oh, 100%. I'm so ready. I don't know because my brain's starting to get like mushier and mushier and mushier. You'll I think right. I have like peak brain on a Tuesday. You reckon? Yeah, because Monday I'm still late recovering, still getting into gear. And then Tuesday it's like woohoo. And then like everything's downhill from there <laughs> until Cla- we finally hit the weekend. Classic. Like, all out sort of like belly flop on the couch kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So this morning for our breakfast Bible quiz, we have a what am I quiz. Oh, okay. Mm, I'm really a interested what? in this one. Okay. Uh, so the first clue is this. By this type of covenant, God gave kingship to Israel, sorry, kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever. By this type of covenant, God gave kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever. I just want to say uh, that, first of all, the answer is something pretty basic, but that is the single most cryptic clue I have ever heard to get there. If you had told me that clue, I would have no idea whatsoever. This is really hard. And our prize today is a copy of The Story of Redemption and Steps to Christ. It's an omnibus book. 
So it's a two-in-one uh, written by E.G. White. It's a beautiful, beautiful rendition um, of both these publications. Lawson, stop guessing. You only get one guess per turn. I'm not going to answer anymore. I'm going to care what you write down. I'm just going to ignore them all, even if you have it right, Lawson. Lawson's just continuously scribbling down answers. I'm not even going to look at your page. I'm not even going to look. No, not looking, not looking. You can't, no. Look, He's, look at no, it. No, trust no, me, look no, at no, it. No, Check, trust there me. There you go. Threw it across the side of the room. <laughs> I didn't look. No. I didn't look. I snatched no. it out of his hand and I my, threw it on the other side of the studio. My studio. guesses. No. Okay, now that I've <laughs> calmed baby Lawson, Why do you, hate me? <laughs> you can get a copy of The Story of Redemption and Steps to Christ omnibus book um, for eternal peace in your heart, it says. This is, this is a really beautiful omnibus. Both these um, books will absolutely touch your heart. Uh, written by E.G. White. It's, it is indeed the story of redemption, the story of you know how sin entered the world, the penalty for that sin, mm. and the great lengths, the enormous sacrifice that Christ has gone to to save us, and then of course steps to Christ, which is you know exactly as it describes, just steps you can take um, to having a relationship with God. Uh, so if you know the answer to the, uh, the quiz, give us a call and I will send that to you free of charge. All right, what's happening in well, some so good news? I have such good news. I have like three stories that I really, 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 really want to share with you. Three whole stories. Well, one of them is really quick. So first of all, this okay. 91-year-old, um, his name is Walter Thomas um, of Woodstock, Illinois. Uh, he shared with his granddaughter that the only fantasy that he had left, because he lived a f- nice full round life, the only fantasy that he had left was that he wanted to drive his car through a garage door. Like he'd always dreamt of sort of being a, um, like a demo, uh, what do you call those people? Like a stunt driver? Yes. Then he wanted to do like a little, little demolition. <laughs> <laughs> and so That's she organized amazing. for that to happen. So she, um, and they tracked down a demolition car and a garage door that was already worn down and going to be replaced anyway. And um, <laughs> and he got to drive his car That's amazing. through the garage door just in reverse. Scoo-scoo. Yeah, yeah. It's like, bam. little stunt drive. I just wanted to, wanted to have a taste of what it was like to be in the movie. I don't know, may, movies. I guess maybe he, I don't know, maybe he had a lifetime of having to wait for the garage door to roll up so he could go to a work he didn't like, a job he didn't like, and maybe he just always wanted to crash his car through the garage door. Yeah, so his his granddaughter Becky said it was like he was a little boy again, and uh, and Mr. Thomas has said that the garage stunt was so much fun he might consider skydiving next. Oh, yeah, not yeah. bad for a ninety-one year old. Have you been skydiving before? Never, and nor will I. Have you? Do you want to go skydiving with me? No. Why not? I'm zero percent interested in that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm not interested in skydiving or bungee jumping or any of that kind of thing. Any of that? I jumped off the Auckland Tower when I was like twelve. Well, you're silly, aren't that was, you? That was pretty sick. I once won a bungee jump off the radio when I was a little kid back in Western Australia, and I went to the bungee jump place with my mum, and we stood outside until someone was coming in to do a bungee jump, and then we sold the voucher to them and took the money and went home. That yep. is the the saddest thing I've ever heard. I was stoked, man. It was like 150 bucks or something. And for it, like a 12-year-old to have 150 bucks, man, I was like elated. But you could I think have I bought bungee boots. jumped. I think I was. You boots. could have bungee jumped. Nah, mate. Nah. I'm not, yeah. Nah. Yeah. I'm not interested. Yeah. It's in incredible. Jumping. It's amazing. Do you know your organs are never in the same position after you've bungee jumped? Because that little funk here where you go down and go back up again. Anyway, oh, let me, let me not get Rip. distracted. <laughs> let me not get distracted. So get this right. There's a bunch of students that have designed a beach vacuum cleaner. So this is a beach vacuum cleaner. It can suck up microplastics while leaving all the sand. This is so cool. Um, Lyle, oh, Lyle would love this. 
I mean, it's already challenging enough for environmentalists to keep beaches clear of washed up trash and plastic mm. debris. Um, but there's also like the tiny, all the millions and millions of tiny microplastics that are impossible to pick up and separate from the sand. Mm. And so this is a group of engineering students that have succeeded in developing, it's, it's a massive, it's a massive new vacuum cleaner that can collect microplastics without removing the sand from the beach. This is 12 Canadian students, um, from the University of Sherbrooke in Quebec and they called the Ula One which is a plastic vacuum cleaner as a class project. It's so cool. Ula One. Check it out. H-O-O-L-A and then, and then One. Um, so Google that. And they, they did some research. They realized that there wasn't any like a machine like this around the world that can do that kind of job. Um, and then they said to each other, we will invent this. And so they just did. I love that kind of tenacity. We will invent this. That is just the wildest thing. Like I just get to the point where I'm like, how, how is that even possible? Yeah. Like, well, like, let me tell you. Okay, so um, you have a handheld hose, and the machine mm-hmm. sucks up plastic and sand and dumps it all into a massive tank of water. And since rocks and sand are heavier than plastic, they sink to the bottom of the tank so they can be dumped back onto the beach. And the plastic, on the other hand, floats to the top of the tank. It's pretty simple. That's amazing. Yeah, but they just managed to do it like in a in a in a machine. Like they tested it out on um the sands of Hawaii's Camilo Beach, which is mm. apparently notorious for being one of the dirtiest beaches in the world. Um, and their first prototype had you know a couple of uh, technical glitches, which we yep. here at the studio are all too familiar with. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but they managed to fix up the beach, and they literally tidied the whole beach. Like it's just enormous. Um, so you know they went on the Hawaii public radio. And they actually left the Hula One vacuum cleaner on the island as a donation to the State Department. Mm-hmm. And they're now researching uh, ecological impacts of the vacuum on the beach while they search for funding and sponsorship to produce more Hula One vacuums, which is really cool because, you know, they clean up what is, you know, one of the world's dirtiest beaches. They've left it behind to be continued using. Um, and I love that they didn't just stop there, but they're now, like, they're, about, they're doing research to find out, you know, now that we've cleaned it, what have been the benefits of the cleaning it to mm. the environment? And this is so cool. I, can you imagine? I, I really hope they get funding and I really hope these things go big. And I hope that every government everywhere purchases a whole armada of these. And then there should be people who could, like, be employed, like, you know, just like any other kind of, like, street sweeper or, you know, cleaner or, you know, maybe you can add a checker on as a, as a, as a job for people, those people. We got those people who, like, or council cleaners who, like, trim yeah. the hedges and keep yeah. the median strips done and just vacuum the beach. Just vacuum, vacuum the beach. Vacuum the beach. Vacuum the beach, mate. <laughs> vacuuming the beach. This is great. Vacuuming is my least favorite household chore. Yeah, same because of the noise. It is the yeah. worst. Like, yeah. I would hang clothes and wash dishes. All, all day, day. all right. day. Yeah, but Not vacuuming. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I hate. I can't handle the noise. Has, even when I was a kid, I think because my, my 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 dad used to think it was funny to chase me around the house with a vacuum cleaner mm. when I was a kid. But I was actually genuinely terrified. <laughs> and I still am a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, another really cool story. Let me see if I can squeeze it in. Get this. Um, there's uh, some really clever dudes uh, who have Oof. invented a way to unprint paper. So imagine if your printer had like an unprint button that uses pulses of light to remove the toner um, when you've printed something that didn't quite work out, which happens all the time, right? You know how you print out a test piece? Like, say, when you want to print 200 copies of something, you always print the first one first just to make sure it's okay. And then if it's not okay, you fix it, and then you print another one. And then if that's okay, then you're printing 200, right? If it's not okay, you can actually press the unprint button now. So this is a, a team... Um, that it, this is a, unlike laser-based methods, it can actually work with the standard coated paper used in home and office printers. So the new method uses pulses of light from a xenon lamp. I have no idea what that is. A xenon lamp, which can erase blue 
black, red and green toners without damaging the paper. They said our method makes it possible to unprint and then reprint on the same paper at least five times, which is typically as many times paper can be reused with conventional recycling. Uh, that was from Rajiv Moltorha, assistant professor in the Department of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering in the School of Engineering at Rutgers University, New Brunswick. So this is like- I am shook. Yeah, this, this is, is amazing. amazing. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is really cool because so much paper ends up in our in our bins just because of like mistakes, yeah, dodgy printing. This is so cool. Unprint. Why has not ever thought of this before? We can definitely fix our planet. Saving have, the world from deforestation. That's we amazing. have messed up our planet, but you know, with this kind of ingenuity with beach vacuum cleaners and unprinting, unprint we have the possibility to clean it up too.
of care Precious Savior Still our refuge Take it to the Lord in Despise for Welcome back to Faith FM. We've come to 7.25 in the morning. Before we get into our next news segment, let's hear from Mon. What is the next clue for the quiz? Yes, oh, indeed. Do have anything to guess it on? Hey, I got some more paper. <laughs> <laughs> your, pa- your pants still lying on the other side of the studio yep. where I threw it. Okay, 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 okay. What am I? Clue number two. After Abimelech, son of Jerubel, Jerubel, man, these names, people in the Bible, their names are going to come on down. After Abimelech, son of Jerubbaal, captured Shechem and killed its people, he destroyed the city and sprinkled this over it. What am I? What's this fella sprinkling? Lawson has the answer correct. He's waving it in my yes, face yes. on a piece of paper. That's what I thought. <laughs> if you know oh. the answer, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FN is the number. It's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491-064-669. Right answer gets a copy of the Story of Redemption and Steps to Christ omnibus book. I don't know why. You know, obviously, if I don't answer the clue... Before the other people, then they get two books. But yeah, but I, I'm like, I don't know why I care so much. Why do you care? So like, I think time for some soul searching. You know, maybe maybe I'm just a little bit too self conscious, or maybe I'm just putting too much pressure on myself to be perfect. You know, <clears throat> look, you're not Lyle. Yeah, but you know, maybe one day. Maybe one day. You study your Bible really hard. Well, I just got that one right. You need to know there's someone out there who actually gets the the, the prize. I mean, the quiz correct. Before Lyle, pretty much every morning, but he just doesn't call in because he doesn't want to, you know, embarrass make it a, him. Make it Who's a that? He's asked to remain anonymous. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but okay, uh, but he's like he the real. Lyle. He's the real. He's he's the real chaser. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's amazing, mm-hmm. dude. Adventist chaser, bro. Christian chaser. <gasps> Let's start That'd it. Be so cool. Let's start That'd it. Be so cool. All right. Yeah. Next yeah. game's night at Maitland Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, we could have Bundaburgers. Bundaburgers. And Adventist Chaser. Adventist Chaser. I'm keen. Oh, I'm me too. So we keen. need to go back to being the book of the people. The people of the book. People of the, the book of the, the people. people. <laughs> <laughs> the people of the book. 
about the book of the people. 100%. The important people. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah, 100 million percent. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Let's do it. If you and I have business ideas, tell Dude, you what. We're geniuses. This could get on like Hope Channel or 3ABN. Hope Channel or 3ABN. Yeah, yeah. You know, early mornings on Channel 7, you know, it yeah. could be anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Donate now if you want to see Adventures Chaser on your screens. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a look at uh, some things that are happening across the world, some things that are happening in Australia, and just some yes. some 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 goings on. Of course, yesterday I talked about the extreme. Uh, yesterday, the day before, I talked about the extreme heat wave that's currently happening in uh, oh yeah in Europe. Any updates? Is yeah, right? update on that. Uh, currently, in the Catalan region in Spain, there is a wildfire that's already burned. Oh no! Um, five thousand five hundred hectares and has forced the evacuation of over 100 residents. Um, so they're really struggling that that comes after uh, multiple days of 40 plus heat uh, with extreme low humidity, very dry heat. So we're just continuing to see, you know, this, this heat wave just ravage Europe and, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, we've got to keep them in prayer. Got to, got to lift those guys up. They are struggling, but yeah, you know, they they're getting through it. They're getting through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about, I've got two stories here. And I think these might like go this'll this will sort of <laughs> dictate the, the direction of the rest of the uh the rest of the segment here, and I'm not sure which way I should go, but I might go oh, tempting us awesome. this way. I wanna talk about um Now I wanna know what the other option was. No, you can't. Okay, Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll squeeze it in quick. So I wanted to talk a little bit about rugby league because I know how much you love rugby league. Yeah. It's like your like favorite sport. You know, you're an avid sta- you know state of this. origin. Watch it. No, but what I wanted to talk about is rugby league players um, who are found to have deadly brain diseases oh, yeah. Yeah. linked mm-hmm. to concussions. That's mm-hmm. something that you'd want to talk about, right? Yes, because I actually am very opinionated about this. You're very opinionated. So... <laughs> Very opinionated. So, uh, you know, we uh, we know about cro- what's known as a chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Righto. Essentially, you know, CTE or colloquially known as being punch drunk mm-hmm. is, is something that, you know, um, sports and, and different professions that, you know, have a lot of, um, you know, we receive a lot of cush- concussions or just someone who receives a lot of concussions really struggles and deal with it deals with it's a huge thing in in boxing for example or in mma fighting that you know that walking that balance of of you know being an mma fighter and and knowing when to when to hang the boots up because of you know fear the body was not made to be struck and even in an entertainment capacity yeah and i i think any sport that involves contact that should actually be outlawed because it does so much damage to the human body (laughs) yeah I actually think it's barbaric. I think it's barbaric for people to pay or even to sponsor what they want to call an athlete, someone who literally then has to go on the field or on stage and sacrifice their body because, sure, they might feel, you know, give it a week and they'll feel better after like having you know, been boxed around the ears or having concussed on the football field. But when it gets to the end of their life, that's when the side effects really start to show. And they've actually just ruined their life. They've ruined their health for the entertainment of others. I think there's many things that are just noble to ruin your health over. But entertainment of others is not one of them. Mm. Well, there was there was two particular cases that were studied in this in this uh, in this in this research that was done to find okay what's the link 
here. And um, in case one, um, this particular person had a successful career. They played uh, over 150 NRL games. So, you know, they had a relatively long career. uh, And they also had a successful career after retirement. You know, they went into a different occupation and had an an awesome career, um, you know, until, you know, a very early death. They do not abuse tobacco, alcohol, or any other drugs. Um, However, his family members reported an increasing reliance on aid memoirs for daily activities Mm -hmm. in the years prior to death. Yeah, um, and difficulties remembering details of significant life events. It's well, it's trauma. Even if it's planned or sporting trauma, mm-hmm. it's still trauma to the system. Yeah, and yet, I mean, I've read so many articles and stories about you know um, people who it doesn't just you know affect their their physical health. It can also drastically affect their mental health. And like I'm sorry to say, but I've always thought you know what I would I would actually never marry an athlete who does a contact sport because the amount of reports of people who like, they start to get a bit funny upstairs yeah. um, because of the repeated trauma throughout their career who end up with either like depression or with, with uh, violent tendencies or just, mm-hmm. it, it just slipping into, into mental states that, you know, are not natural at that age or of any age is, mm. is terrifying. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, for myself um, being, you know, in the, at one point in my life being in the professional sport community and then also in one in one of my life being in the the depression community struggling mm-hmm. with mental health mm-hmm. um i really see i really saw all sides of it and I, I saw that yeah it's a huge problem it's a just a ginormous problem of you know mental health you know post career mental health is one of the biggest problems that they're having that's why you hear of all these you know the <laughs> You know, couple of time Olympian gold medalists. Oh, they're you know they they they've split up with their from their wife because of domestic violence or, or whatever. Like, yeah. But that's one aspect of it. The the you know the post career <laughs> sort of blues that happens mm-hmm. with people, um, which I myself have experienced. But then the other side is this whole concussion and 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 how it messes with the brain. And and man, it's just a huge thing. Especially in NRL, it's just a yeah. giant thing, you know. Like, I remember hearing an interview recently by a very famous footballer, and he, he was saying, you know, I've got multiple friends who are just home ridden. They're so depressed, and they're in such a terrible yeah. mental state, and they're just struggling all the time, and just abusing, you know. Is and it's not like they're not only abusing alcohol, but you know, then they go to the doctor, they get medication, whatever. They're they're abusing their prescribed medication to try and overcome. Um, these mental battles that they're having, and there's just no support for them. Mm. And it's just, man, it's 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 just heartbreaking. It's so saddening to see that happen to people. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, like I'm a little bit worried about myself. I've I've actually had five major, six major head injuries in my lifetime. Really? Yeah. So the majority of which was from crashing motorbikes, and then one I crashed a snowboard. Um, and I'm like. I don't know, like, but that all I, and need, all of those happened before uh, before the age of sixteen. Yeah, I would. Uh, but a good thing that you know about because you need to monitor. Yeah, yeah, you know, even even when you're older, just monitor like um, any sort of side effects that might crop up from that. But yeah, this is actually one of the main reasons why I don't really, I'm not really a sports supporter. It's not mm. just because I, I honestly find watching sport boring, but also because I, I simply do not agree with what I said before. That uh, to me, it's a mm. form of barbarianism, and even though I I, I can support. 
you know, I could support Suresh, so I could support non-contact sports. To me, the whole thing is just, it's gotten too messy. You know, look at people like Ben Cousins and Lance Armstrong who were using yeah. drugs and getting away with it for so long. To me, it's no longer a clean, it's no longer a clean oh, activity. Yeah. And then also no. the side effects, the long-term effects, even in non-contact sports mm. on athletes, it's, it's too much for yeah. me to support it. I, I'm like, do you know what? I don't want to support that lifestyle or those side effects for anyone for my, for my entertainment. So that's why I'm not a huge sporting person at all. Mm, 100%. And in, in, in that case, post-traumatic stress disorder is at similar levels in, in professional sports athletes as it is in, in um, military well, men. Yeah. Which is afraid. crazy. It's something, if you have anything to say about this, give us a call 1-800-324-843. This is Matthew Mole with You and Your Crown. The sun goes down and the moon cries out its love for you. The world confides in the love that hides between the two And I know I'm not afraid to call this home And I know that you aren't too And you fall down in the light In the blinding light That 
was Matthew Mole with you and your crown. What a song. Yeah, oh. and definitely Jesus and his crown definitely wins the fight every time. Amen. Yeah, we have uh, come to the, our time with our guest interview, but before we get into it, we need mm. another clue for the quiz, which I just want to remind everyone I did answer correctly. So, you know, <laughs> no it. double prizes up for grabs because I know what it is. Do you want me to and, take the double prize, like, clause off the table so you don't feel such pressure to answer the quiz? <laughs> Look, it's, it's, it, it is what haunts my nightmares, actually. <laughs> I had a dream once that I couldn't answer the quiz and that I was just Are you for serious? No, I'm just joking. I was going to say, it's taking it way too seriously. Maybe we should just get you to do the quiz and I'll try and answer it and you'll see. (laughs) Maybe one day. Yeah, everyone will get the prize before I get it. Okay, all right, all right, all right. What am I? This is clue number three. A poisoned spring was healed when Elisha put this in it. Oof. Which is unusual because this is not something you'd usually think that would heal a poisoned spring and make Mm. water nice at all. At all. I think it could. No, I, I, I don't know. Season the water. Season the water. Awesome. Okay, give it away. Anyway, 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 it's time for our interview, and we are on air with uh, Luke Farugia. I'm so sorry, Luke. I've butchered your surname, haven't I? That's actually pretty close. Oh, really? That, 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 that's impressive. Most people get that way wrong on the first time round. How do you say it? <laughs> so, Farugia. Oh, Farugia. Is that Italian yeah. or something? You're very close. Uh, it's Maltese. So oh, just, just off- Maltese. Maltese, man. The Maltese are some of the bravest people on the face of the earth. Have I'm ever- biased. What? I agree with you. Yeah. Have you ever read the history of the Maltese people, Lawson? No, it's, but... It's, you- it's amazing. It's amazing. I have a theory. Yeah. That more Maltese people live outside of Malta than inside of Malta. That's probably true. Absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely true. No, but that- was it World War Two when, like, some... They were, they were coming to take the island of Malta and the Maltese were like, no. Nah. And just fought back and won, like against an entire army. Just this one little island of like totally boss dudes just got together. And we're like, this ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, love that's it. actually pretty much pretty much it. Like even if you go there now, there's like they they've left a lot of the buildings like with the shrapnel still embedded in them, like for for memorial purposes. And you know they've got such that national pride, but it's a real melting pot because at one time or another, it's been occupied by Arabs, Turks, British, you know, uh, uh, all of the different you know Vikings even at, at some points. Yeah. And so there's like, even the language is like a real mixture of all of it. It's fascinating. That's so cool. I love how they leave the shrapnel on the building, almost like a, like a little, a little warning. You want to take Malta? Yes. Just remember, this is how it ends. <laughs> 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 anyway, Luke, you're on air with us today because you are indeed uh, one of the dudes from Table Talk, a very popular, um, uh, what do you call them again? Oh, podcast. Sorry, I'm a bit podcast, old. Yeah, 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 yeah podcast. The new, <laughs> the new thing kids these days are doing. Actually, do you know what, Luke? I I have just recently discovered podcasts and I am just loving it. They have revolutionized my listening play tracks. Like seriously, like I almost like every day when I drive home from the studio, I'm like on a podcast, just geeking yes. out. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And uh, and actually uh, while we were, we were hooking you up before we went live on air, our, our producer Jazz was like, is that Luke from Table Talk? And I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, so she apparently knows you from back in Bundy. Uh, do you know Jasmine Trigenza? Oh, far out. Yeah, <laughs> yes. she's producing the show for us at the moment. Uh, Lyle and I- Shell, producer Shell, are off uh, on their annual leave. And so Jazz has stepped into the role. She's been trained up and she's... Uh, Doing the techie stuff. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hi, Jazz. So so just for – okay, here's a bit of trivia for you. Uh, Jasmine's brother, Nathaniel, is one of the five guys at the table. So, yes, of course I know Jazz. Oh, serious. Met you. Bam, there you go. 
after all. <laughs> uh, Luke, we are going to be talking about your um, your latest few episodes there of Table Talk. But maybe for so, some, some of our listeners who have never heard of Table Talk before, tell us a little bit, what exactly is Table Talk? Okay, so basically it all started because as friends, we were getting around and having serious discussions about our faith, and it was like binding us together. We were having like really amazing times just having these deep discussions, and so we thought it'd be great to share that with others and encourage them to do the same thing. So basically, the way we, the, what we like to say is we have the discussions that you wish you could have at church, and so hopefully by mm. listening to our chats, people will be inspired and encouraged to go and engage with their friends and, and talk about real things. That is so great because, yeah, sometimes, like, you know, sometimes on a Sabbath, I wish the conversation of the social aspect of Sabbath was, I, I guess, mm. a bit more spiritual. Mm. And, then, and then often I, I crave spiritual conversations and, and like, like, you know, um, like my second job, you know, it's, it's not, it's a secular job. And, you know, sometimes I crave just talking about Jesus, talking about how great Jesus is or just, you know, and I've been specifically told not to, not to evangelize at my workplace, my other workplace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes you just crave that spiritual element, you know, that, that it makes up such a huge part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, this is, this is great. Um, let's talk about some of the topics that you guys have been covering. You guys have been covering some pretty heavy hitting stuff. Uh, one of them I am particularly, uh, interested in. Because this was indeed one that I read when I was just first becoming a Christian about the unpardonable sin and was totally freaking out that I might have committed it and was just in a state that I could never be saved. Um, but yeah, you guys have just tackled that one on head first. Yeah, that was actually that was a really fun episode to do, and obviously, as yeah, it's heavy, but it, it's one of those ones where it was surprising as we were discussing how basically all of us had exactly the same fear that that you just expressed. That early in the piece, when we first read some of those chapters, it's sort of like, wow, you know, have I done that? You know, what if I'm? What if this is all in vain? What if I actually have committed the unpardonable sin and I'm kidding myself and I'm not saved? You know. Mm. So, but, uh, you know, the, the passage comes from, you know, Jesus' own words, you know, where he's talking about, uh, that every sin will be, will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you know, that won't be forgiven. And so, uh, there's a few other passages as well, but basically th- this is that concept that's freaking a lot of people out over time. So, 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 so if I would ask what is the unpardonable sin, you would say blasphemy against the Spirit? Well, that that is the, the direct statement that's in the Bible. But what I what I would go so far as to say is, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Because yeah. If you, I mean, okay, blasphemy. It's not a word that we use a lot these days. So right. we've got it. We've got to define our terms, right? Mm-hmm. So people who are like are guilty of blasphemy, and you can even look in the Bible. Jesus was accused of of committing blasphemy because he claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be God. So. Mm-hmm. Blasphemy is essentially putting yourself in the position of God, and so when uh, when Jesus is saying blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, you are working against or putting yourself in the place of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is in place to do in the plan of salvation. And the Bible is very clear about what the role of the Holy Spirit is, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So basically, when we feel our conscience is strong and we know we've done something wrong and we want to ask forgiveness for it, that's the Holy Spirit talking to us and working with us. And so if we are rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit and essentially you know, pushing him out of our life, then we're not going to feel that anymore. We're not going to feel remorse. We're not going to feel the, the guilt for the wrong things that we do. We're not going to feel that we need God. I guess so mm. if you've rejected the trigger, nothing can really trigger you. That's right. Yeah, That's exactly okay. right. I, so what I would – sorry, I was going to say what, what I would go, to, go on to say is that 
really speaking, I wouldn't say the unpardonable sin is a sin that you commit that you can't be forgiven for so much as it is the sin that you commit that you don't want to be forgiven for. Oh, that's a good way of putting yeah. it. I like that. I really, like that. That really frames it, you know, uh, salvation in its right place, that it's ultimately mm. our choice. That's right. You know, yeah. the, 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 our, the whole concept of being saved revolves around, like, Jesus has done everything to say you, you just have to choose. Yeah. And it's yes. not on what you do, but it's just on the decision that you make. Um, Lyle, Lyle was actually um, one of my uh, Bible teachers when I was first becoming a Christian, which I guess is one of the reasons why him and I get along so well, because I have a lot of respect for him and, and who the, the role that he played in, uh, in my becoming uh, a Christian. And uh, he was one of uh, the Bible teachers at the Bible college where I attended. And I remember he was the one who actually took the class on the unpardonable sin. And he said something to me that, that really helped me to understand the unpardonable sin. And he said... If you as a person are worried about whether or not you've committed the unpardonable sin, that's a good sign you haven't. Because yes. that's, you know, you, you worry about conviction, you, you're being convicted, like that's it in itself. But if you just don't care anymore, you don't care whether or not you're sinning, you don't care whether or not you've committed it, you just don't give a stuff, that's when you're actually in trouble. That's yes. when you might have actually committed it. Um, moving along, because we don't have an infinite. Infinite amount of time. Sometimes I get infinite and finite mixed up. <laughs> um, but this is another, another really great question. Um, and this is, this is, I think, one that might actually just create a controversy, spike a few people. Uh, can yes. you be saved without knowing Jesus? How did you guys handle this one on your podcast? This is this is a really sensitive topic, right? You know, because yeah, there's this super. there's this thing in and a lot of churches out there that you know, or a lot of preachers that you may hear, and there's this concept that if you don't hear hear directly about Jesus and like you know, with your mouth confess the name of Jesus and accept him, then you can't be saved. Yeah, I mean, it's not only that degree, but there's some people who are like, if you don't know Jesus the way I know Jesus through my church specifically, you can't be saved yes. either. There's like all these mm. degrees of knowing Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And the thing is, what I found when I started to explore this concept for myself, and this was sort of where we decided to, that we should do an episode about it, but when I was starting to explore this concept, I started to think how, how that, that breaks down so quickly. Because for a start, if you, you're putting basis on the name Jesus itself, well, for a start, that's an English version of it. So, you know, you're ruling out a lot of other non-English speaking people. But even if you go back enough, uh, far enough in time, right? What if we, what if we go back to the first, second, third century AD, you know, where the message of, of Jesus hadn't escaped the Mediterranean at that point? You know, yeah. what about the people that are outside of that? Is God just saying, well, I'm sorry, but by virtue of the fact that you happen to live outside of the geographic area where the message began to be preached, you're just condemned. Yeah. Would that be a fair and just God? Of course it wouldn't. And so when we look at, at uh, Scripture itself, you know, I mean, probably for me, one of my favorite passages in, in the whole New Testament would be Acts chapter 17, where um, where Paul is preaching in Athens on the Areopagus. He's speaking to these Greek philosophers, and mm. as he's explaining God to them, he is he is framing it in their culture. And one of the things that he says is that is that uh, in times of ignorance, God winks at that, but mm. now he's calling you to repentance. So. What he's saying is when you didn't know, God understands that, right? God recognizes that and doesn't judge you for your own ignorance. But when you know, when you're conscious of it, then you, you can be judged for that because it's your ignorance, ignorance would then be willful or your rejection of God would then be willful. Mm. So 
and he also actually goes on into that passage. I don't have it turned up in front of me, but he goes on to say something to the effect of that God uh, designed the or, or you know chose the boundaries of your dwelling and you know and when you would be born, basically yep. in, in paraphrase form. And so the and the reason that it says that God chooses those two things is so you would have the highest likelihood of grasping for Him and, and finding Him. Now. If I'm to believe what Scripture says, that says that when Jesus decided, or when God decided that I, Luke, would be born on you know, the 29th of April 1988, and he decided that I'd be born in Sydney, when he decided that, he knew that that would be the, the highest likelihood for me to accept him would be in at that time in that place. But we also would then have to apply that to the child that was born somewhere in the middle of Africa before a missionary ever arrived there, that he was put there because he is the most likely to receive God in that time at that at that place. Mm. That is very interesting. Yeah, because you know, I think people often wonder, like, you know, what about like you know all the millions of of just sort of tribes and natives that died before a missionary got there. I mean, even even right now, like, there's North Sentinel Island, like off the um, yes. off the coast of India, was untouched um, by uh, you know Western civilization and and the gospel. You know mm-hmm. what happens to those people, but yeah, it's it's very interesting de- um, debate uh, to be had there. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Once again, like I, I do, kind of you know, I've read you know a bit of um, uh, what Ellen White wrote about um, you know people adhering to the what they I guess what they think is just their their compass, their their conscience. But we yes. know as the Holy Spirit. But even if they don't can't identify it correctly as the Holy Spirit, just um, Doing the best and living up to the light they have, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If yes. that's all the light they ever get, mm-hmm. and if they are true to that, then you know why would God want to keep them out of heaven? Mm-hmm. I think people mm-hmm. often skew God's true character and think of him as this guy who's just hanging out for a reason to keep you out of heaven. But he's mm-hmm. in the business mm-hmm. of getting people into heaven. Exactly. He wants yes. as many people as humanly possible, as as supernaturally possible to get into heaven. He's trying to yes. make the way every single day for us to get there. He's not trying to keep us out. And so you know, think of his character as someone who's merciful and someone who's like just doing everything he can. Um, That's so, yeah. right. If God is love, he must be ultimately just, and it would Amen. be unfair of him to keep people out on, on those grounds, especially, like you say, especially like, like when he is doing his best to get people in, not out. That's you know? it. That's mm. it. Yes. And I would, go so far as to, I would go so far as to say that there are people living in you know Christianized nations that perhaps grew up in the church all their life that don't have the right picture of who God is. And so as a result, I think God will will judge their cases differently. Because yeah. if you have the picture of a God, like as an example in the Dark Ages, if you've got a picture of God that is a tyrannical, you know, egotistical maniac, then you know I'm sure God would excuse you for being an atheist as long as you are responding to the light that you have. If That's you get it. what I'm saying. That's it, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we do need to uh, keep, a, keep a firm mind uh, on the fact that God is merciful and that we shouldn't be running around yeah. judging people because, I mean, and, and I think this is the kind of judging we shouldn't be doing. There's definitely some judging we should be doing, but this is not one of them. God knows where people are at, and he'll be the one who saves them, not us. Um, thank you so yes. much for joining us this morning, Luke. Uh, uh, Table no Talk, where do people listen to it? So you can find us on iTunes or any other podcast you like, Spotify, etc. But uh, you can find us directly on our website, oztabletalk.com.au, also on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Kemi Ogendi with the song Winter. Winter didn't last. The 
To Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But now there's a new approach to help us be more forgiving. A program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness. A relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Have you ever been challenged by evolution? Ever struggled to give a reasoned answer for your faith? Or ever felt overwhelmed by the predominance of belief in evolution? Then you need to be at the 2019 Faith and Science Conference. 13 top-level scientists and professors from around the world will be presenting on the most astounding discoveries, completely refuting the theory of evolution. July 16 to 19, Avondale College, Kurumbong, New South Wales. For details, call us now on 1-800-324-843. hope that burns within our hearts hope in the coming of the Lord 
this faith that Christ alone imparts. Faith in the promise of his word. We believe the time is here when the nations far and near shall awake and shout and sing Christ is King. We have this hope that burns within our hearts, hope in the coming of the Lord.